And good morning. Thank you so much for joining us for this live stream worship service. We are now, can you believe it, 50 days into our quarantine. This is 50 days of uh, massive inconvenience, hardship, a lot of sacrifices. And I just want to say, as we get started with the sermon today, thank you, because your sacrifices are, they are saving lives. They are uh, slowing the spread of the virus uh, that is incredibly dangerous, uh, keeping you from getting infected, maybe infecting other people. Um, and just overall, it's a very direct way uh, to save lives and to keep people from getting sick. And I know it's a sacrifice, so I want to say thank you for doing that. Um, today's gospel reading is a story of what we might call reverse contagion, where there's one man, one man, we call him the Prince of Peace. He's lived through death and he's lived through hell. He did that all out of love. And now he has an antibody of peace. And instead of infecting people with peace, he can envelop people with peace. He starts with a small group of people and he envelops them. And he prepares them actually to envelop the entire world with the peace of Christ. We'll watch him enter a room of fearful people and envelop them, and then send them out in the power of the Spirit to envelop everyone else. Um, my prayer is that for this service, for this sermon, that that same Prince of Peace through the Holy Spirit would be present to you in the room where you are worshiping, and that all of us uh, would go forth into the world in peace as ambassadors of the Prince of Peace. So look with me at the gospel text. You can see this on page 7 of your programs or from your Bibles, John 20, uh, verses 19 through 24. John 20, verses 19 through 24. Look with me at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, and this is the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, uh, the disciples, these are Jesus's followers, people that uh, had learned from him, walked with him, become his friends and co-workers for three years. Um, they locked themselves inside a house. And understandably so, they had lived through a horrible event. Their leader had endured a humiliating trial. Uh, he was unjustly crucified. Now, crucifixions, it's hard for us to understand the visceral nature of crucifixions. One historian wrote about crucifixions, and then he actually went to a place where crucifixions actually took place under the regime of ISIS. And it struck his heart uh, just how evil the, this uh, particular practice was. Crucifixions were squalid, cruel deaths, and they were broadcast to a mass audience. We uh, sometimes will drive by a billboard which is intended to get the attention of just all of the people passing through the highways. Crucifixions were like billboards. Um, you, would, you would crucify someone by a major thoroughfare so that lots and lots of people would see how horrible it could get for you if you crossed the empire of Rome and if you crossed, uh, at the time, the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem. Crucifixions were meant to spread fear like a contagion. 
Um, the Roman and Jewish authorities wanted you to see a crucifixion in the first century and think to yourself, I will never, ever, ever let myself get to that spot again. I'll do whatever it takes to not be the lowest of the low and to endure that kind of torture. And it really worked. So the disciples locked their doors on the first Easter Sunday. Um, they weren't quite sure or they didn't yet know that Jesus had truly been raised from the dead. And they were afraid. So out of fear of the Jewish authorities, they had locked their doors. And they were afraid that they would go through their own trial. That uh, there would be a swift, unjust uh, mock trial and that they would be also crucified uh, or that they would endure some kind of injustice or death themselves. Um, and for good reason. Terror had seized them for good reason. It really could happen to them. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in a room where everyone was worried, where everyone was anxious. Maybe it was in a basement as you listened to tornado sirens blaring. Or maybe you were in a waiting room in a hospital waiting for bad news, just pacing back and forth. You can just feel everyone in that waiting room is worried. Maybe you've been a part of a uh, classroom lockdown of some kind or in a conference room dealing with some kind of financial emergency or maybe just in a family situation where everyone was really, really afraid. If you're in a room like that, everyone's got wide eyes. Everyone's heart is racing. Everyone's mind is racing. What's going to happen now? The walls seem to close in, as it were. And your mind's just spinning about all the things that could go wrong. If you're in a room like that, you feel uh, sort of unable to calm down and yet exhausted at the same time and just on edge. So I want you to imagine the disciples are in a room like that, where everyone is thinking, I could be next, you could be next. Our entire movement, our entire mission is about to be snuffed out completely. We watched our own leader be, be unjustly tried and tortured and mocked and crucified and buried. And now here we are. So right in the middle of all of that really tense moment, Jesus uh, comes and he stands among them and he says, peace be with you. Just appears right out of nowhere. Like, I think that if I were me, if that were me, I would be afraid. Like, ah, you know, and it says actually in Luke that the disciples were afraid. They thought he was a ghost. Um, if someone just appears out of nowhere and you're not expecting them, you're probably going to be a little bit um, on edge as well. But Jesus says, peace, peace be with you. Notice that Jesus does not say everything's going to be okay. Um, like everything's going to be easy. He doesn't come in and say, guess what, everybody? I took care of those Jewish authorities. They won't mess with you anymore. Boy, did they ever regret putting me on the cross. They're not going to be a problem anymore. Jesus did not say to his disciples, um, they hated me, but they won't hate you. Uh, Jesus did not appear into that room and say, hey, in this world, uh, you won't have trouble. I had trouble. You won't have any trouble. He didn't say that. Jesus just said, peace be with you. One writer on the spiritual life defines peace in this way. Peace is not the absence of conflict, which is how we normally want it to be. Like I feel the most, um, you know, at peace when there's an absence of conflict. Everything's working really well. Peace is not the absence of conflict, he says. It's the fullness of life. It's the fullness of life. Peace is a resting of the will that comes from divine assurance about how things will turn out 
Peace is that resting of the will when you have divine assurance about how things will turn out. It's like a pervasive sense of well-being that gets planted on the inside and then works out from there. Um, so it's like a virus in reverse. Peace is planted inside of you. It then envelops your body, your emotions, your mind, and everything your life touches to the point where you can say, like we will sing later in the service, it is well with my soul. Um, and just like a virus can spread to others, peace, if it envelops you, can envelop others as well. The famous evangelist Billy Graham said this, courage is contagious. When a brave person takes a stand, it often stiffens the spines of others. And we can watch this happen actually in real time. If you look with me at verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They were afraid. They had locked their doors because they were afraid. But when Jesus comes in the midst of them and says, peace be with you, and then he shows them his hands and his side, uh, they were glad when they saw the Lord. These uh, are the scars and cuts that Jesus got from the crucifixion, the deep wounds that he received uh, during his death. This uh, serves a couple of purposes. Number one, it helps the disciples know this is actually Jesus. Like this is not a ghost. This is not an aberration. This is not just um, you know, a trick of the mind. Uh, it, is, uh, it is the Lord. He's actually risen from the dead. And this helps his disciples see it's actually going to be okay. Jesus is actually alive. It's actually him. Uh, evil and the Roman and Jewish authorities did their worst. They came at Jesus with every trick in the book from hell. Um, the spiritual powers and the human authorities who hated Jesus um, did absolutely everything they could to destroy him. And he's lived to, to tell the tale. In fact, the violence only served to advance the Prince of Peace. It only served to advance the kingdom of God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the ruler who brings peace with him wherever he goes. Um, whoever Jesus touches, he spreads peace. He envelops people in peace. He is peace himself. Um, he is that pervasive sense of well-being, and he passes it on to his disciples. He says, hey, look at my scars. Look at my pierced hands and side. I've been through death. I've been through hell. And now I'm the Lord. I'm the king. I'm the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, and for what it's worth, I'm encouraged also to know that the first Easter ever, the first Easter celebration was celebrated in a private home. Look at the second half of verse 20. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. This was Sunday night of the first Easter. Um, so they were afraid that the Jews would come in and yet Jesus is alive. And so maybe they were like, yes, yes. Like, yeah, Jesus is alive. You know, it's like the first kind of muted holy noise. Um, it wasn't a public and victorious gathering, but they were glad nonetheless. It was still Easter, even though they were all self-quarantined. Um, I think that we can just take comfort in this together. Since we didn't get to celebrate together on Easter, it was really hard to not have um, the Easter that we were looking forward to after the Lent that we had. 
all the trappings were removed, weren't they? The, just the big, joyful, public gathering of the people of God that we were looking forward to seeing. The visual explosion of all of the flowers, um, the, the bright colors, the big band, the many treats available at the table, uh, the baptisms, or just me just taking the uh, asperges branches and flicking water on you to remind you of your baptism, which I missed doing, which I will definitely be doing as soon as we can start meeting again. Um, it was very stripped down, wasn't it? Easter was. It was just Jesus, uh, a live stream service, ourselves, uh, maybe housemates, maybe family. Um, we were denied the very comfort that we've come to depend on, which is the gathered church. You know, I wonder what the Lord is forming in us through this trial. Whatever it is, it's, it's got to be good. It's got to be better than the, uh, the Easter that we were all looking forward to. Whatever we've given up, um, I believe the Lord is forming something beautiful in us something deeper and more resilient, which is his peace, which we can have no matter what our circumstances. And it's one thing to know that in our heads, but it's actually another thing to live that out on day 50 of the quarantine, that his peace is resilient enough to envelop us with a pervasive sense of well-being. And I believe that he is, like he was on the first Easter, on this third Sunday of Eastertide, He's preparing us to spread that peace. And we see him preparing his disciples to spread that peace as well. Verse 21 says this, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So this is the second time he's saying it. He says to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So Jesus is not merely enveloping his disciples with his peace. He's actually sending them to envelop others with his peace as well. Now, this is probably very hard for them to accept. Submission to Jesus's way uh, and an invitation to go forward through this transition is an invitation not to go back, but to go into something different, something new. Imagine the Father sending Jesus into the world. We can imagine a conversation between the Father and the Son where the Father says, Jesus my son, my only son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, I am sending you into the hurting world. It's full of sickness, war, and famine. I'm sending you as the perfect lamb so that you can take away the sin of the world. I'm sending you away from your home and your comforts and your kingly robe and your throne in heaven. I'm sending you to become the servant of all. I'm asking you to go into anxious homes and villages and bring peace. I'm asking you to face danger and hunger and death, Jesus. I'm asking you to love your enemies. I'm asking you to be a friend of sinners. I'm asking you to infect people with the heavenly peace that you have now. And what did Jesus say to the Father? Yes, Father, I will go. Imagine being Jesus' disciples and being in the room with him and hearing those words, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I am sending you to rub shoulders with and even preach to the very authorities that have scared you into this room where you have locked your doors. I am sending you into the heart of Jerusalem, 
where you will preach to the Jewish authorities and other Jews from 70 nations. Some will oppose you, yet many others, many thousands will be won over. And then peace will spread from there to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. For the terrified disciples, this would have been difficult to hear, and this would have been very difficult to believe. Listen to these words as if Jesus was speaking them to you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Listen to these words as if Jesus were saying them over Emmanuel Anglican Church. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending y'all. Plural as it always was plural. Um, just like those first disciples, we are sent into the very situations that scare us. I'm not saying break the quarantine. I'm just saying what situations are you afraid of for the rest of 2020 and into 2021? Um, maybe it's hunger. Well, we're called to go feed the hungry. Maybe it's sickness. Well, we are called to care for the sick in whatever way God's called us to. Maybe it's losing loved ones. Well, we're called to go comfort those who, is, who have lost loved ones. Maybe it's losing our job or businesses. Well, it's to stand with those who have lost jobs and businesses. We are called, we are sent to share hope with those who have lost hope, to spread the peace of Christ wherever there is anxiety and upheaval. In fact, what I believe the Father is doing in this transition is teaching us to spread his peace beyond Emmanuel. And we're so good at spreading peace within Emmanuel, aren't we? Um, we're used to saying each, to each other each Sunday, may the peace of the Lord be always with you. Peace of Christ, peace of Christ with hugs and handshakes. And now I think what the Father is doing is I think that he's preparing us to say that, turn outward and say that to our city to our neighbors, to our friends, to our colleagues, to the frontline workers, with our lives and with our words, may the peace of Christ be with you. May the peace of Christ envelop you completely. He's given me his peace. May his peace be yours also, through word and deed. And I think my first reaction is, really, Lord, does it have to be this way? Can't we go back to what we had before? Um, I don't know how this is going to work out. This is like a totally new adventure. Um, how do you react when you consider Jesus' words to, to you and to our church? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, and so I am sending y'all. Like, he sent us into this pandemic. He sent us into 2020. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. He has us ready for this moment. Um, Terry Walling is a mentor to many uh, Christian leaders around the world, and this week I was listening him speak some fresh encouragement to leaders about how God uses transitions uh, for moving leaders forward. And here is my paraphrase of what he said. Terry Walling says this, God uses transitions to move us forward. Otherwise, we will stay stuck and comfortable and afraid. So he takes away the option of going back. And through this COVID-19 transition, Jesus is inviting us forward. He is using this transition to draw us closer to him to fulfill our unique contribution and deepen our convictions and our commitments. He continues, our temptation, our temptation is wanting out instead of leaning in 
to the transition. We want out rather than leaning in to the transition. If we resist and walk away, God will come back to it later. But if we lean in, God can do more through us than he could before. And that is absolutely true. Unless we walk through the transition, lean into the transition, um, uh, we won't be able to have that uh, capacity to do all that God intends for us to do. So the transition moment is now. The transition moment for us is now. As the Father has sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us. What will I say? What will you say? So before we move out, um, before we are sent out, and of course, still keeping the quarantine, um, we need to be ready. We need more power from the Lord, don't we? We're not quite ready to be fully sent out um, as we will be ready to be sent out. We need more power from the Lord. Look with me at verses 22 and 23. When Jesus had said this, when he had said, peace be with you, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, these verses present a little bit of a puzzle, a couple of puzzles. One of them is, like, is Jesus pouring out his promised Holy Spirit and empowering his disciples here? It's like, it's a good question, because there's another episode in a different book, the book of Acts, but it comes weeks later, and the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, it seems like, for the first time, and then they move out in joy and power, and just, they're not afraid of anything. Now, is, so is this like John's version of that same event? I don't think it is the same event from John's eyes. Jesus breathes out, but it's not clear if he's breathing on his disciples if, or if he's just breathing in a special spiritual way in their presence. Um, he does invite them to receive the Holy Spirit, but nothing really big happens after that. They don't go out healing and preaching and fearlessness. They actually go back to fishing and uh, they have doubts and they have petty comparisons with each other. And there's like still some kinks and some issues to work out for the disciples in John 20 and 21, like after this Holy Spirit moment. They don't seem to have a lot of the Holy Spirit. Um, so what's exactly going on here? One way to look at it is this. Consider the difference between a wedding rehearsal and the rehearsal dinner and all of that, which is usually like a Friday night, versus the wedding itself, which is usually a Saturday night. Friday night, the wedding rehearsal is private. Um, the wedding ceremony on Saturday is usually public. Um, a wedding rehearsal is ma mainly for training and preparation. A wedding ceremony is actually mainly to usher the couple into a new reality, and it's laden with more power. Um, during the rehearsal, you're working out all the kinks, where the wedding party stands, how to give the bride away, which is more complicated than you might know. Um, who says what? When do they say it? When do they stand? When do they sit? What do I call you, Mr. and Mrs.? Uh, <laughs> you know, all those little kinks to work out. That's what the rehearsal is there for. It's a private event. But then the wedding ceremony um, is when you can, like, have having worked through all those issues, you can be ushered into this new stage of joy and power and celebration. 
there's clarity and there's focus and there's freedom. Now, I believe what's happening here is a type of Holy Spirit dress rehearsal. They're getting a taste of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. Um, it's just enough of the Holy Spirit to work through all their issues and kinks and soul issues and relational issues and calling issues, which we'll uncover in the next few weeks. Um, it's kind of awkward for a while, um, but these are moments of preparation and they're necessary for the first disciples to be ready and focused and clarified for their mission so that when they receive the Holy Spirit in his fullness, they can move out in power. Now, we might um, uh, think of ourselves in the next five weeks um, between today and Pentecost, which is May 31st, uh, one day after the next deadline for stay-at-home orders, the next five weeks as a time to work through our own fears and griefs with Jesus, our own kinks and awkwardness and frustrations and fears. We, we need some time, I think, learning how to abide in the peace of Christ while being quarantined and while being in a world that has COVID-19. The church of God is the, we need to be the ones who experience the peace of Jesus in the midst of all of this. Now, when the quarantine is lifted, and we begin to emerge from our homes, we will give away whatever we are taking in in the next five weeks. Whatever we're taking in in the next five weeks is, the, is the, uh, what we're going to give away to others. The state we're in, as one writer says, is the state we give away. Um, you cannot give what you do not possess. So I ask you, what state are you in right now? As you sit at your kitchen table, as you sit on the couch, what state are you in? Is it a state of lethargy? Is it a state of depression? Is it a state of confusion? Is it a state of fear and gloom? Here's my other question. Would you like Jesus to give you his pervasive sense of well-being? Would you like the Prince of Peace to envelop your life, your body, your mind, your soul with his peace? He offers it to you, just like he offered it to his disciples. Receive the Holy Spirit. He is ready to envelop your whole life. One of the reasons that we stream these worship services is to practice his presence in our own homes during this quarantine. This is not just a pointless religious exercise. We believe that because of the Holy Spirit, that the presence of Jesus can be in each one of our homes. So for the remainder of the service, I want to invite you to make it your intention to receive the gift of Jesus' peace. And then beyond this service, tomorrow morning, I want to give you a practice that you can keep in between now and May 31st. For the next five weeks, I want you to keep this practice. Find the quietest part of your home. It may still be loud, but nevertheless, the quietest part of your home. Invite Jesus to join you there. You can just say, come Holy Spirit or come Prince of Peace. And then make space to jot down what am, I, what am I mad about? What am I sad about? What am I afraid about in the presence of Jesus? It can be a quick hit list. And then have the scriptures open. You can have this text open or Psalm 116 open. Invite Jesus to speak his peace to you through the scriptures and through his Holy Spirit. And invite him to envelop your thinking and your body and your mind and your relationships and your household with his peace. And then at the end of the day, when the days come to a close, ask the Holy Spirit 
to bring to mind any moments in the day when Jesus' peace was moving through you. You'll be surprised. His peace works through us a lot of times. We don't even know it. Some other people have to point it out. Hey, I, I really actually felt the Lord working through you. And we're like, well, I didn't know that. Invite the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day to give you his peace and then help you see when it's working through you. Um, Christ's call upon us and on our church is to receive and give his peace. Like contagion in reverse, to be enveloped in it and then to envelop other, others in it. He wants to spread his peace through us. When the quarantine is lifted, and when the history books are written, let it truly be said of us, they went forth into the world in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.